Welcome to Anthony Plogon Music. This is Eddie Ludema, the podcast producer, and I'll be your MC today while Tony is away from his microphone and traveling. In the bonus room, Tony asks Anne about the possibility of building a career through leveraging social media. They also get into the topic of authentic versus modern interpretation of Baroque music. To wrap things up, they discuss Anne's take on the future of classical music. If you're enjoying these discussions, please be sure to subscribe and spread the word. Do you think it's possible now to have a career, a big career, um, without a major agent? And you would do your own, let's say, publicity, whatever, on social media. Do you think it's possible to use social media um, to have a pretty strong career? What kind of career? You mean as a musician? Yeah, as, as a, a musician, writer, yeah. Or? Sorry, as a musician. As a musician. I really don't know. There's... There are certainly musicians who have built tremendous social media followings who have done very well with that. Um, how sustainable it is, is a question. Um, you can make a big splash for a while. Is that going to take you over the long run? It's hard to say. I think a lot of singers who are musicians who have gone the conventional route have underestimated to their detriment the role that social media and a publicist and conventional agent can play. Um, I think in the best case scenario, you kind of make it work both ways. I mean, take Jeremy Dank, the pianist. He's done an amazing job, kind of, he's kind of self-made, but kind of traditional, um, but he's, he's blazed a very sort of distinctive territory within the traditional framework of a concert pianist. Um, whether you can do it completely on your own, I don't know, because at the moment we still live in a world where the conventional gatekeepers are doing the bookings, you know, and right. and until that network is a little more eroded, it's not going to work as well, you know, because the conventional gatekeepers are terrified of change in most cases and are not so open to interlopers. Um, that's unfortunately true in every field and journalism as well. Do you have anything, and, and maybe a, a second to last question, um, do you have any thoughts about Baroque music and classical music played on authentic instruments uh, versus like a modern interpretation or authentic interpretation versus a modern interpretation? I mean, I'm, you know, enthusiastic in many ways about the historically informed performance movement, which I think has opened up a kind of freedom for some performers that the traditional classical world has closed off, but that used to be very much a part of so-called classical music. Um, after all, in you know Mozart's and Beethoven's day, even into the 19th century, improvising was an integral part of the field. And today, Leon Fleischer used to say to me, and it really hit home, that he wished he could improvise. He wished he could sit at a piano and improvise, and that somebody with such mastery of the piano didn't have that ability um, was poignant to me and said a lot. And I know that the historically informed performance movement has put more of a premium on things like improvisation and trying to figure out how to get back into that sort of world. And it's interesting that some of the hip players and orchestras have been doing not only historically performed things, but commissioning new work in the historically informed parameter. So it's historically informed, but it also can embrace the contemporary. Yeah. Um, so that part of that world I'm extremely interested in. Um, you know, and then there's a lot of early music groups that are kind of squawky and mediocre. And, you know, again, it's the same thing as, as the traditional versus contemporary opera stagings. Um, if you do it right, it's great. You know? Yeah. There are actually a number of orchestras in Europe, just regular modern orchestras, where when they play classical or Baroque music, 
the brass players will play natural instruments, natural horn or natural trumpet. I don't think you find that in the United States at all, but they are doing it in Europe some. Yeah, I mean, I think the growth of orchestras as a more flexible body is something to be welcomed and embraced. <laughs> and and final question, you you turned to running and um, I guess you got injured, but you're are you back to running now or not? I have not dared to start running again. I'm still doing CrossFit workouts and taking long walks as a way to sort of break into it. Um, yeah, last summer I got injured enough that the podiatrist was like, got to take some time off. So uh, I've been rowing quite a bit, the rowing machine as a oh, substitute. Wow. Uh-huh. But I am hoping soon to return to the running, which was a huge, a huge outlet. But uh, again, I wouldn't have dreamed of doing rowing or CrossFit or anything before I started running. So I see it as all part of the same continuum of uh, after a life of being largely sedentary, sitting on velvet seats and listening to things that I actually got out and started moving. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Did you run races too, or, or just uh, run around the neighborhood? I, I did some 5k races. Um, never, you know, I'm not built super well for a runner. Six foot tall people with large bones are not the ideal. It helps to be built more like a rabbit. And I have more of the sort of horse, you know, elegant horse. But, um, so I wasn't, I wasn't setting any, you know, records in my age group or anything, but, um, but I did enjoy doing the races, and I still I'm going to build up to a 10k when I get back to it. That's my next goal. <laughs> Great, that's good. That's good. Well, this has been really enlightening for me and really fun, and I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to do it. Do you have any last thoughts that you might want to say? Last thought. This has been this has been great fun for me, and I appreciate it too. Um, last thoughts. I should have something profound to say. I think. <laughs> I think we've been talking about classical music and my only, like, my continual thought about classical music is that the music is really just fine. And we're looking at a time when so many things we love are shrinking and diminishing and that's all true, but it doesn't mean the music is bad. It just means we have to find new ways to present it and propagate it. And um, that that keeping that in mind is sort of a positive and very real thing. I don't think that's just blowing smoke. It's like Beethoven is never not going to be good, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and that's something I, I keep in mind very much. I went back this, this afternoon and listened to uh, Fleischer playing the, the first movement of the Brahms D minor, the first concerto. Oh, wow. um, and, but this was after, you know, when he made his comeback um, and, and oh, right. just, of course he loves the beginning of that piece and just hearing that piece, just thinking, how can somebody conceive of a work like that? That's just so great, so complex, but has so much beauty in it and, and majesty. And, and um, it's such an amazing piece. Yeah. We're, I'm, we're just lucky the, the profession that we're in. Absolutely. I will, I will add as a little postscript that when I started at the post, I wrote a piece pretty early on on why I didn't love Brahms. Like, why Brahms is not my favorite composer. I, I love some Brahms pieces, and that's one of them. And um, But, like, there are things I just am not crazy about. And I cited other people who had not liked Brahms or whatever. There are people who will leave a room when I come in because of that Brahms piece. That piece is being thrown in my face to this day. Really? And although it's not even a particularly original take, but... The definition of humility is having to sit down opposite Leon Fleischer and have him ask you about why you don't like Brahms. <laughs> so, so he read that article. He read that article. Okay. He read that article. Oh, that's great. It was because I started writing his book right around the time the article came out. <laughs> it wow. It's not a great introduction. <laughs> when I was a student at UCLA, and this was 
I'm, I'm dating myself now, but this was many, many years ago during the Vietnam War, actually. And, um, and things were pretty, um, in, in terms of music, everything was far out. And I had this, he was actually a great teacher uh, for, I think it was music history. And he said Brahms was representative of the undergraduate mentality. And, and, so, and somebody said, why? And he said, because it's emotion combined with intellect. And I, I thought about that later, and I thought, that's great. <laughs> what more can you ask for? <laughs> Where's the problem? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's pretty funny. So, <laughs> Well, on that note. <laughs> well, thanks so much. Well, thank you so much. This is really a pleasure. <laughs>